This is the Poetry Dispatch with Richard J. We have some shit to talk about. Welcome back to the Poetry Dispatch. Thank you for joining me. And for those of you listening in on iTunes today, thank you. Thank you for being here. And the SoundCloud cats, thank you for being here and staying loyal. So you know, you can now get me on iTunes. Kelsey made that happen, and I really appreciate it. So today is the day that Republicans decided that rape is a pre-existing condition. Yeah. So, yeah. And I'm angry. I'm really, really angry. And the thing is, I don't, I'm not sure who to be angry at. There's specifics. I can be really angry at House Republicans. That's pretty simple. Be bad at our, at our president. That's pretty obvious. Be angry at Christians, so-called Christians, who support this man and support this plan. Be angry at pretty much all white people, all white people from across the spectrum. I'm just angry. I have women in my life. This bill will affect. You have women in your life that this will affect. Whether you know it or not, look at the numbers. And if you're okay with this, if you support this, I encourage you to really evaluate your moral compass, the thing that tells you that this is good. Because if... That's the case. If you can earnestly look at this and think this is good, something's something's wrong somewhere. A wire got crossed to think that a woman who is a victim of sexual assault and rape can't seek treatment? I don't know what to say to you. Except reevaluate things and fix yourself and find help to fix you, unless your ignorance is a pre existing condition as well. But I'm not sure. I have to read a little bit more closely into this. So please let's let's pray for the Senate. And maybe the judiciary after that, we'll see. Fuck. The fuck. This was on top of an already not great day for me. So I promised you guys I would always just be honest and forthcoming with you. I'm not feeling great. And it's my fault. It's not like a stomach bug or the flu or anything. It's, it's my mental health. 
and I, I know exactly what it, what's happening. I've been allowing myself to get overly stressed out. I've been running myself a little thin. And quite frankly, I, I missed two of my doses this week. That's the God's honest truth. And so it all kind of just landed on me today feeling really like shit. I woke up late to work. I woke up at the exact moment I usually leave my door and ended up being a half an hour late to open up my own fucking shop. And that's how I started my day, already feeling like that. And then this just shit in my head. So if I seem a little off, aside from, you know, already angrily venting at you, just know that I'm not doing great right now. I'll get through it. I'll be, it'll be better. But I'm just a little exhausted. And uh, thank you for letting me just share that with you. It's not always easy having an emotional uh, mood disorder. Um, it leaves me second-guessing myself a lot, like when I'm up at, say, 2 in the morning working on a project. Am I working on that project out of necessity or out of mania? Is my mania presenting itself as, like, earnest productivity or creative output or I second guess myself as in will doing this or making these choices lead to a bad place and I've been diagnosed for several years now and it's just one of those constant this is one of those constant things that's always just lurking behind me. I know all this seems kind of grim, and I'm sorry for that. I apologize. I just, again, wanted to be open and honest and transparent with you guys, and that's where I'm at. That's my personal update. In other news, and this is actually some exciting news. Sorry, it took a few minutes to get to it, but... Holy shit, the Safe Words Grand Slam this last Saturday was amazing. Legit, one of the best slam competitions I've seen in a very, very long time. These poets went in so hard. They killed. Kelsey and I had the honor of hosting this bout, and... 12, okay, so 12 competitors in the first round, eight competitors in the second round, six competitors in the third round, and the top four made the team. And this year, uh, they went through a little bit of a, a rebranding. This year's team is Team Orlando, formerly Team Olympus. But this year, 2017, Team Orlando is Faith Elizabeth, Sherdez Leona, Curtis X. Meyer, and Caleb Matthews with uh, Joe XO, I believe, with Kira. 
as alternates, I'm pretty sure. But the top four, Faith, Sherdez, Caleb, and Curtis, I'm really proud of them. It's going to be a phenomenal team. They will be going to Denver, Colorado this summer for the 2017 National Poetry Slam. And uh, they're going to do a phenomenal job uh, representing the city of Orlando. I'm really proud of each of them. Had a great time at the event. It was packed house. Like I said, Kelsey and I uh, hosted. Really proud of Kelsey and how she did. Uh, she did a great job of kind of being counter to my kind of the straight man to my crazy persona. I don't know. She was, I was, okay, I'll say, I guess I was more high energy tempo and she was more calm, collected, even professional, I guess more than me is what I'm trying to say. She did a great job. I'm really proud of her. And we had a blast. So all good things, guys. Look, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just in a down spot. Overall, things are really great. Some really cool things are happening. Like I said, the I, the podcast is on iTunes. I was interviewed this week by my friend Mary for a magazine. I'll tell you more about that uh, leading up to when that magazine gets uh, published. But that was a really cool thing that happened to me. So, like, things are good. It's just I need to be a little bit more mindful of my own self-care. And I haven't been. Um, I, I don't always follow my own advice. And it kicks me in the ass sometimes. I've already taken my medication for this evening. So thank you. Um, and for my friends that listen to this, that reach out to me, thank you. I really it, one, it's awesome that you guys listen and, and then want to reach out to me. Thank you for doing that. And for those of you who haven't done that yet, please know that I have a really high rating on Facebook for responding to messages uh, with the quickness. I love talking to um, my audience and to people inside the community. So if you ever want to start a dialogue or let me know how you're doing, feel free to visit the website, richardjpoet.com. You can reach reach me through there or facebook.com uh, forward slash the poetry dispatch uh, and hit me up. Let me know what you think of the show, how I could be doing better, um, what you think I'm doing right, uh, areas of improvement, uh, or if you just want to tell me how you're doing, that'd be great. So hit me up. Anyway, so I have my buddy Mark Marcel on the show today, and I'm really excited about sharing this conversation. This was a really fun conversation to have. Mark was a great guest. Uh, if you don't know Mark Marcel, then you haven't read any of his five books or listened to any of his 17 spoken word CDs. You may not have seen him perform or hold a workshop at one of, the, one of over 50 universities he's performed at, or maybe you haven't seen his five national television appearances like on BETJ's Lyrics Cafe. Uh, you may not have been one of the 1,200 people at the Scion Night at Not Scary Farm. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure most of us were not at the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. for the 2009 presidential inaugural ball for President Obama, like Mark was. That's just some of the stuff Mark has done. Like, this cat is brilliant. When he's not, like, doing poetry, 
He's thinking like about philosophy and shit. He even wrote a book about it, and that book's called The Book That Doesn't Even Matter, A Philosophy on Life. He's also the creator and animator of the web series Gurus, which is a cartoon parody of the history's greatest philosophers. Uh, Mark is kind of a badass, and I've known him for several years. Uh, first officially met him at Liz Strait's wedding, my previous guest. You remember Liz, her whack ass. Mark and I, yeah, we sat together next to each other at her wedding. And we like made pleasantries, a little bit of small talk. I was like, Mark Marcel, I, I recognize that name. I pulled out my phone, did a quick research. It's like, holy shit, I'm sitting next to Mark Marcel. And then later I had a chance to to talk to Liz at her reception. And I was just like, yo, I'm, you sat me next to Mark Marcel. Like, yeah, I thought you guys would get along. And we did. We got along. We connected. Uh, we've kept touch over on Facebook. He is actively posting just hilarious, brilliant, insightful uh, thoughts on his feed. Uh, you should check him out on Facebook, Mark Marcel. Uh, anyway, this is our conversation. And I had a blast doing it with him, and I'm going to lead it off with a poem of his. Which poem? I guess. Oh, they're so good. All right, I'll do this one. This is Mark Marcel with This Isn't Poetry. Before going on to explain any details about it, I want to make one thing absolutely clear. I am not a Zen Buddhist. I have nothing to sell. I'm an entertainer. This isn't poetry. This isn't for your coffee shops, open mics, or poetry slams. This shouldn't be left in your textbooks for students to study over sonnets and stanzas. This is more like when I wake up in the morning, I'm hit with the first breath of a gotta get gone. And when you put your word on the line, you better make sure your life can afford it. The U.S. government will make sure of it. This isn't for finger snaps or hand claps. This is for peace signs and walking strap, only because opposites attract. This is for you better watch your back. This is for your friends don't care about you like you do always remember that. This is for the police in Ferguson. This is for hospitals in Dallas that treat Ebola patients with no concern. America, karma is a bitch. This is not 9-11. This is Armageddon. Cheers. Somehow we all made it here. Better get a good look around. I imagine some of us be flying off like flies for the next few years. This isn't pretty. This isn't meant to make you smile. I don't know what you're expecting from me, but I haven't been writing poems now for a while. This is for FEMA coffers in Georgia. This is just so when it happens, I won't have to say I told ya. This is for the boys of fatigue and the army playing toy soldiers, not having any clue who they're fighting for. This is for the barracks that has them in wars. Come on, my man, I ain't been writing y'all poems. I used to have a pocket full of poetry until the lines started to bleed. I used to have a pocket full of poetry until the rhymes started to breathe. want you to enjoy a point of view which I enjoy. 
This is for Jehovah Witnesses knocking on your doors. In the field, Jehovah Witness, I pray an atheist comes and knocks on yours. 6 to 8 a.m., bright early in the morning. This is what you tell your teachers if they're only concerned with the 1st and 15th. Someone needs to kick your bougie ass out the school district. Students need your time and attention, not time and detention. This isn't poetry. This is what you say to the judge for thinking his degree means he has judgment over you. This is what you say if you ever find yourself surrounded by four walls, much like the cubicle. Corporate America has themselves some inmates too. I don't write poetry. I write to show you how the cycle continues. To show you have a choice, you can either stand for something or nothing, create or cause destruction, and sometimes you must destroy to rebuild. So at times I'm simultaneously doing the two. Nah, I don't write poems. That's just what you think I do. I write movements and only because it's what the spirits move me to. I write for protests and revolutions, ride outside police stations and government institutions. I write for the ones six feet in the ground, too dead to make a sound, and for the people shouting on the picketing fence. No, this isn't poetry. It just wouldn't make sense to me. Because sticks and stones may break your bones, but poetry isn't supposed to hurt like this. Everything is good, man. I'm still breathing. I'm still here, so I suppose I have nothing to complain about, you know. Even though, uh, even though I had to, even though, well, I won't say I had. Well, no, I had to give up smoking. Oh, well, had is a strong word. It was probably best for me to give up smoking. So, you know, I'm going through that right now. I'm kind of, I, I, I'm done with the e-cig. I'm done with the e-cig, which is good because I was really hooked on that while I work. You know, I like to blow shit out of my mouth while I work. It's just, I think I'm more addicted to the action of smoking than more than I am. nicotine or anything. Exactly. Yeah, I deal yeah. with that. That's actually my industry. I don't know oh. if you know that. Oh, the e-cig? Yeah. It's a, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm a general manager of a uh, e-cig retail company oh. out of Tampa. Dude, listen, that, the e-cigs got me off cigarettes. Like, it did. Like, it was like, successful I, for me, man. Yes, yes, it was. But, like... I started like, and I'm not blaming, I, I don't know what to blame it on. You know, all I know is like the past, like, uh, like, like a couple of weeks, like I've had just difficulties in my chest and breathing or whatever. And the doctor, I went to the doctor and he was like, um, what he told me about the e-cig, he was like, uh, he can't recommend it, but, uh, he was like, he doesn't, un he doesn't see why water in the lungs, water, you know, he was like anything, water shouldn't be close to your lungs. And when he said it, it clicked. It was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not even saying that that's what it is. It's just, well, you know, I believe the mind is the most powerful placebo there is. So if that's what I just started. Think anything that I needed to get my attention off of it, you know. I was like, all right, fine. I need to put it down. Um, but even marijuana. I asked him about marijuana. I was like, what about marijuana? Marijuana caused cancer, and he was like, well, it is not as likely to cause cancer like tobacco. You know, the chances of it are very slim. 
However, if you do get it, it's worse than if you did if you were smoking cigarettes. So that shit even put a, a scare in me That's too. So I'm really just trying to that. cut out all shit going into my lungs, man. You know, well, it's, it's, it's still. It's, and I don't know how hard it's going to be with the marijuana because I really, really love being high. So. <laughs> Well, see, we'll I, see, I use I use uh, marijuana medicinally, but uh, not officially yeah. in the state of Florida. But I I use I use uh, marijuana uh, medicinally uh, unofficially. I I talk to my team of doctors about it, um, and it's therapeutic for me. I'm I'm an everyday smoker. Richard J is not a licensed medical practitioner. Please consult your doctor concerning any and all medical advice. Richard J is a poet, not a doctor. Poets write poetry and have strong opinions. They do not provide expert medical advice. As such, speak to your doctor if you have questions regarding your health. Now, back to the show. The fact of the matter right. is, with, with cannabis or with tobacco, you are still combusting material and breathing right. combusted material, and that's what's harmful. Right, exactly. Um, and as for, uh, like, vapor mm -hmm. uh, with e-cigarettes, it, it's not a lot of vapor. That, that was a marketing ploy when e-cigs first hit the market eight years right. ago right it's, i mean it's vegetable glycerin and propylene glycol right it that does not make water otherwise california would have solved their drought problem right. Just, right 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 everybody would have just started vaping um, right 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 <laughs> how there have been a few cases that i'm aware of of what's considered um chemical pneumonia and it's right. very similar to biological pneumonia. Being said, not a doctor. I would listen to my doctors if he, if he was seriously telling me to uh, quit the smoking out. Were you finding like you were having breathing issues or? Yeah, yeah, it was, man. It was just, I felt my, my chest was heavy. Dude, I thought I was having a heart attack, you know? And then I, I went in and they was like, no, you're not having a heart attack. They took my pulse, blood pressure, checked my heart, and it was like, listen, you need to frame this on the refrigerator. So they was like telling me, basically saying, yo, your heart is really good. Like, you're in great shape for your heart. So, but then they took, they were looking at my lungs, um, didn't find anything, but then they called me the next day, and it was like, can you come back in? We we thought we saw a small, uh, tiny thermorex, and, you know, that, that that's basically another term for a collapsed lung, and that shit got me, like, <laughs> nervous Whoa. as fuck. Right, yeah. So, but then I went in and took another x-ray, and they didn't see it, you know. So they, they just wanted to make sure they didn't see something, you know what I'm sure. saying? They were, so... I went in and I got lucky. They still didn't see that, but I know the scare I had and I know how I felt, you know, and I was like, you know, if, if I don't like feeling how I felt worrying about if I had something, I don't know if I had something, I'd have been even more like shitting on myself. So I was like, let me just try and listen to my scares, clean up my body and just try to, you know, I, you know, I do things extreme. Like, man, I've smoked an ounce of marijuana a month, an ounce of marijuana a month for like 15, seven, since I've been smoking, like 15, 17 years or whatever like that. So I'm like, you know, I might as well try and be an extreme health nut now, you know, see if I can get a natural high off of that. So that's what I'm trying to do, just trying to get really healthy. Um, but what you were saying about the pneumonia, I did read that. And um, I'm wondering if that's what I was feeling, you know, because, um, because, uh, as soon as you said it, I was like, yep, you know, I've been, I was reading up on that. And also, you know, I didn't just vape a little bit, you know, I've vaped all the fucking You're a time. Yes. Yeah, yes. I, I, for my job, I'm vaping eight to 12 hours a day. I'm on 
0.2 ohm coils at 55 plus watts you know right 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 I, and right. yeah i'm pushing I, I don't do it while i'm recording just because you can hear the fucking thing but right like, <laughs> um no i get it man um yeah. and a lot of us who go from smoking start off with smaller more sigalite things that are closer to like the pull of a mouth to lung hit like a cigarette and then eventually that just doesn't satisfy you right and then the majority of us like we just evolve and get more and more technical and more and more the cloud um, yeah and it becomes a hobby almost so yeah like i get taking a break and the industry itself if it's being done right should encourage users to quit Right, 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 it's right, built, right. Like it's built into our company business model that we know that we're going to lose customers over time, but that's, right. that's to us, we're being successful. Right, right, right. We set out right. to do, which is help people quit. Right, so, right. You want them to quit smoking cigarettes. Right. So eventually you want them to quit smoking that. Well, that's what, that's, that would be the logical thing to do, you know, because really anything going in your lungs other than oxygen ain't good, you know, so... Right. But honestly, yeah. we don't even breathe in pure oxygen. Well, no, no doubt. I, I get you. Can't, you can't spend two minutes in traffic without breathing in. Some yeah. Really yeah. Horrible no, shit. I'm with you. No, I'm with you. Well, really, there's no such thing as pure oxygen anymore. So, yeah, no. I'm with you. I'm no. with you. But if you can get a line on like a tank, like that lights you up. Like, you should check that out. A, a line on a tank? Like a tank of oxygen. Just like pure. Oh, pure okay. Really? So that gets you high a little bit? <laughs> yeah, well, there's, oh, what is it? Isn't it Fight Club? They talk about uh, why the oxygen masks drop. Because it gets oh. you euphoric, high, you, you're, I don't know. Yeah, no, nah, you going to have me checking huffed, that out? I've never huffed straight oxygen, but if I ever get the opportunity, <laughs> I give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I am addicted to the blowing the shit out out your mouth, man. Like I'm just so that addicted was what to that. With cigarettes, man. I used to yeah. love at night, like sitting underneath the light and watching that bluish tinted cigarette smoke. Yes, it was, yes, it man. It's beautiful. And so, like now, I can, I push it. It's literally a cloud. It's silly. Right, right, um, right, right. Like I host an open mic, and uh, I'll sit it up by stage so I can be, you know by the soundboard and I'll take a rip and then it just filters past the stage. Like I'm, I'm the venue's fog machine. Right. Right. Yeah. I charge yeah. for the service. I don't, <laughs> but well, that's what's up, man. I'm glad you're, you're taking the time and you're focusing on getting healthy. That's yeah, man. I am. I'm, I'm 41, you know, I ain't 31. And, and, uh, if I just have it in my head, I'm like, you know, I used to be a good-looking, sexy dude at 31. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and be sexier at 41 than I was at 31. And it's going to take work, but, you know. It's uh, possible, maybe It's know. possible. I like somebody, a friend of mine told me who's, he's a health nut, and he's he's your age. He's he's in his early, early 40s. I'm 32, and okay. he goes, Richard, you got to, like it's important to start taking care of yourself now because it makes it easier to take care of yourself later later on. Yeah. He's right. And so I started working out with him and I did that for about a month and then there was Thanksgiving and the holidays and I've completely fallen off. But in my mind, I'm trying to take care of myself so I can take care of myself a little bit later later on. Yeah. I just need to get back into the gym. Yeah, no, I'm with you. My friend who's actually a paramedic, he was telling me, he was like, dude, everything you do in your 
30s is like preparing you for the rest of your life. It's like, and um, he was like, and if you don't, he's like, matter of fact, he was like, at 45, if you are not like right, like it'll go just straight downhill and fast. He was like, so right now, like at 40, like this is like the crucial time in your life to get your shit right because. Yeah. 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 Right. Terrifying. That puts a lot of like responsibility and onus on me, and I'd rather blame other things besides myself for why I'm not feeling well. Well, that's people. People do that. People never want to take responsibility. You know, I get it. I understand, dude. Are you kidding me? I didn't want to go to the doctor. I was like, hopefully this shit passes over. (laughs) You know, (laughs) but yo, after like a couple of days, few days, it was about like maybe four days of feeling like that, like. I was like, man, I, I I just gotta go. I just got to fucking go and figure this shit out, you know, because it just I just wasn't feeling better. And I can actually say, man, I, I almost hate jumping the gun here because the universe is listening. And the universe likes to call my bluff on shit. But I'm I'm feeling this is the best I've felt in a couple of weeks. So you know, <laughs> I'm so, glad okay, about that. Okay, so you're feeling progress already. Yeah, I'm feeling progress already. Yeah, I'm feeling oh, like in the mid in the middle of the day. I would say maybe around. I took a nap yesterday, and then when I woke up, maybe around six. From six on, I was like, oh, okay, okay, I'm I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm breathing all right. My chest isn't like pulsating. It's not like making me. And and I'm and I'm also wondering. Like I say, the mind is the most powerful placebo of them all. So I'm wondering how much of that was affecting me thinking about it. And I was just telling myself, just, you know, try to think about other things. And, so you know, you say but, that when your mind, your mind is the greatest placebo. So are you operating under like the idea that our attitude and our mood and our mindset affects how we feel and how we handle things? Oh yeah, I is definitely that think that. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Um, cause you know, the police, uh, the placebo pill is just like basically a pill that has nothing in it. It's just a pill. It doesn't right, do anything. Yeah. Right, right. It doesn't do anything to you. So, but, you know, they'll tell you, be like, hey, this is this will make you feel this and that. And the people take it and they go and feel all this stuff. And they'll be like, well, really, you know, that's all in your mind. And I feel like your mind can do that. And also the opposite. It can make you feel worse, you know, if you're concentrating on shit too much or you think overthinking it. And so... With what the doctor told me, the doctor told me I was fine. You know, it took two X-rays. You know, every he took everything life-threatening. So with that, you know, it's almost like I gotta like just maybe I was having some anxiety about it. You know what I'm saying? So anxiety is just all in the head. You know, but you know, for people who have anxiety, they'll tell you that the, the stuff they feel is real it's physical you can you yeah so you can feel it so if that's the case and they say an anxiety is just caused by you know your thoughts how you're thinking of it you know it's like then it it it, the mind has you know the mind is you know it has to be something you know your mind is creating this stuff and i'm saying and i'm not saying like your mind is so boy your mind is so i believe this whole world is an illusion so your mind is you know, it makes you think this shit is real. I want to get so, back on that thought. So, <laughs> no doubt. I want to talk to you about that, but right. sorry, keep going. No, no, no. Um, so basically, if if I think that, then of course I should respect, you know, what it can do 
to me on similar on you know maybe on lesser degrees of significance than this whole reality i should look at it as also personal and and on a smaller level what what it can do you know and and truthfully man you know they say they say you know just smiling you know people people don't you know when they say you know you should try and smile you know when you smile you know even if you're going through something bad you know it may be able to lift you up and brighten your day so it's just basically it's the mind tricking itself you know, yeah, all, in all these areas. Yeah, I've experienced right. that. See, I have so, bipolar disorder and uh, okay. general anxiety disorder. And okay, so you know exactly what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. But, uh, a lot of it is, is mental when dealing with anxiety. The, the issue with anxiety is that whatever your, whatever the triggering thing or the triggering thought processes um, uh, short-circuit your brain. And right. it, you get trapped in your uh, fight or flight response. Right. That's what anxiety is. And you're just looping like a computer right. that's crashing. You can't break that infinite cycle until it passes or you, you implement a coping mechanism or, right. you know, you have pharmaceutical help. And then, you know, the other issue, bipolar is purely a, you know, brain chemistry issue. Right. But so there's a lot of things involved with the idea that your your brain and your perception of your your personal reality is going to affect how you feel and how you see the world but that's dependent kind of dependent on how healthy your brain is to begin with you know right like, right exactly you, like i can get a lot farther in a in a car that's well maintained and has a good engine i'm less likely to make that same journey if my brain is a jalopy you know? Right, right, exactly, exactly. But exactly. So you, you're a philosopher. You study philosophy. Um, you have. Well, I, I believe we're all philosophers, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> some okay. of them just aren't as good as the others, and some of us just have shit for evidence. But it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always, I've always been fascinated by philosophy, but I don't have a formal education in it. Uh, my, well, well, I don't have a, I don't have a formal education in it. So let okay. me. Okay. All right. If, if, Self-taught, if what, informal education, and yeah, through discussions with other people who maybe like that's that's me. I have a lot. I have like three good friends who all have degrees in philosophy, and they've really given me their master's courses. Right. On it, but not enough to give me like I don't always feel comfortable explaining or trying to speak with authority on it. But I love right. talking about it. Right. Is that kind of your experience too? Or Yeah, that's kind of my experience because, you know, I really feel like, you know, I mean, philosophy to me is just basically just trying to understand something. Whatever whatever that something is specific, whether it's life or our relationships or society or social structure, you know, it's just the understanding of something. And I believe that's really what we're all doing here. You know, all of us are planted here, have no idea how we got here, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, and or we're trying we're to, going. and we're all where we're going, you know, we have theories on it, you know, we can philosophize on it, you know, but we don't truly, 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 truly know, you know, so I really believe all of us are, you know, all 7 billion people in the world, it's just some of us may think deeper about it than others. You know, I don't really think, I don't really think Socrates is, 
in, in, in the scheme of, in, in, in the, um, in the essence of the word, I don't think Socrates is any more a philosopher than, you know, John Doe. It's just that Socrates may have gone deeper in understanding of trying to understand, you know, certain areas and maybe John Doe would, you know, maybe John Doe, maybe John didn't go to the cave. Right. Exactly. You know, or maybe John Doe just, just, his he, he surface, you know, he takes takes, you know, maybe somebody says, hey, we're here to experience, you know, enjoy this. OK, cool. That's why we're here. You know, but, you know, Socrates may go deeper in that, you know. So but truthfully, I believe we're all philosophers, you know, I, and that's really the only thing I I feel comfortable calling myself now. That, you know, when I really realized that and thought that because I really have a hard time separating myself from people in the in the in the um, in the idea that I know more, you know what I'm saying, or or am better than I would say. So I would say, you know, that's why I say a philosopher is the is it's the easiest thing for me to accept when labeling myself because I believe that's what we all are. Just like we're all human, you know. I believe we're all philosophers, you know. All right, I can dig that. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, you know, like I say, you know, some of us just go deeper into it than others, you know, but you well, know. how deep do you go into it? Does it, well, do, it do you use it, philosophy to help inform your worldview to help you oh, process yeah. what's happening? Oh, yeah. Well, your, your writing, your poetry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it it consumes me, I would say. I mean, the understanding of something, you know, like uh I like to understand why people think the way they do, you know, and and so in doing that, I have to study information that leads them to believe what they believe, you know, and 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 if I not that I want to change their view, but maybe give them a different aspect or a different perspective that they may not have noticed, um, I have to understand that information that made them think what they do in order for me to be able to break that down and show them a different viewpoint. So that's just with me. I'm, I'm trying to understand anything and everything that leads people to opinions, I would say. Um, and that just comes with, you know, studying information, you know, and, and having conversations with people and, and um, being aware of, of actions, I would say. So that's, that's, that's probably me in a nutshell, just trying to <laughs> understand the human psychology. But I'm, you, you brought up a point that's really important to me is that you get there through conversations. Right. And in order to have a conversation, that implies that each person, like both parties, have a certain degree of empathy or openness. Right. Because if you don't, if only one person's be trying to be open open and empathetic to the other person's worldview and the other person's completely cut off, you're not having a conversation. You're speaking to a brick wall or it right. actually stops being a conversation and becomes an argument. Right. Um, right. I've never had my mind changed from like an angry exchange or an argument. Right. 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 I'm, too, right. I'm fucking stubborn. Right. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I'm glad you said that. And, and put it like this, even, and it's, it's, it is also important how you talk to people, I would say, if, if that is your goal. Because, you know, I was dating this young lady one time, and we were having an argument. And um, 
and I was trying to pull everything out the woodworks to make her understand. I, f- I forget exactly what we were talking about, but I was trying to pull everything out the woodworks to make her understand this viewpoint. Um, and she was just not having it, you know, to the point to where I was like, oh, my God, how stupid is this broad? You know, so then the next day she told me after all calm and collected, everything is good. You know, we're all like lovey-dovey. She says to me, she was like, you know, I just want to admit something to you. And I was like, what's up? She was like, you know, sometimes when we're arguing, you know, I may really see your point, but I just hold on to what I have because I don't want to be wrong. Oh, people do that all the time. Yes, yes. And I was like, what are you doing? That just makes it worse because I'm thinking you don't understand. So I'm trying to think of everything. Right. But, But that taught me. That little lesson taught me, you know, nobody likes to be talked down to. They don't like to be yelled at. And I wasn't yelling at her, but I'm just saying nobody likes to, like, be argued at, I would say, you know. So if you but so the best way to make somebody comprehend something is through discussion, is through empathy, like you said, and through understanding and just to try to have a, a cordial conversation. Because, man, when you start arguing, nobody is... The ego is not going to want to make you accept it because the ego is almost almost just like, you know, like the young lady said, you know, she doesn't she doesn't want to give it. They don't want to give it to you. They look at it like, oh, they think they won that, you know. Right. So, So the best way is to try to relieve those emotions that you have in debating or arguing and just take it away. Well, in arguing and into where you just bring it down to a debate, actually less of a, de- even debates, man, debates. Sometimes a debate people- will imply that there is a side that is right. And another side. Exactly. Exactly. And that's so that's exactly not the was- best frame of reference either. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. You want to bring it down from an argument, bring it down from a debate to where it's just a discussion. And a discussion will make the other person a whole lot more open to understanding your viewpoints. Sure. But that's easier said than done. I mean, oh, yeah. We can yeah. both agree on that. That's yeah. easier said than done. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, yeah, that's if, it. especially if it's with a significant other, a lover, <laughs> yeah, a close yeah. friend that you've known for years. Like emotions yeah. are just going to be there. Sky high. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I'm not trying to point the finger at somebody because, I mean, I know I'm a very strong-minded person. So I, I try to watch myself in that because I try not to be the, the victim of my own words. Being that I know this, I try to watch myself in these areas and try to understand people's viewpoints. But, you know, like I say, you know, I'm human. We're all philosophers. I'm a philosopher. And I try to watch myself because, you know, I could be just as well the same type of person, not want to un- not wanting to understand something, you know, so. I hear you. But that, that takes self-awareness and discipline. And we're human. We're going to fuck up. And right. I, got, I do it. I do it. I'm guilty of it. Um, like you, I try really, really hard not to. Right. Um, but it does take self-awareness and takes a certain discipline to be able to pull yourself back and approach using reason and logic. Um, Right. But again, if the other person's not open or receptive to reason and logic at the time, it's not a good time to have that conversation. Right. Right. Certain people are never going to be ready to have that, those conversations. Exactly. Not, some not people, with you, at least. 
right? Right, exactly, exactly. Sometimes they may have to hear from a different friend or they may have to find out themselves. I mean, you, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I may have broken down something to somebody and, you know, they're like all off the wall about it. No, no, uh-uh, no. And then they'll come back to me like a year later and they'll be like, you know, I understand totally what you were talking about. I didn't understand it then, but I was having this conversation with a friend and they said yada, yada, yada. And I, and, and, and in my head, I'm like, well, I said yada, yada, yada. <laughs> you know, but, I was your friend a year ago saying it to you. Right, exactly, exactly. This is on you, asshole. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, but, you know, nobody, people don't like to be wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's... That's the thing, you know, and, and I understand it. I, I, but I guess the way to defeat that is I, I try to use ver, uh, reverse psychology on myself sometimes, meaning that I try to embrace being wrong in order for me to be able to gain new information. You know, because if, if I'm somebody who does not like to be wrong, then how am I, how am I going to gain new information? You know, like... How are you going to expand on a theory that you already have? You know, how are you? So I try to embrace, you know, being wrong. I try to, there's not, I have no problem with apologizing to people. I have no problem saying, I'm sorry. I have no problem saying you're right. You know, I feel people who do that, um, I mean, their ego is huge. You know, they can't get over their ego, you know. So I just try to watch those things. And, And me, being like that, me being able to listen, being able to, you know, say, okay, you know, maybe I didn't know everything has only aided me in the information that I gained after that, you know. So do you, do you, for searching out that new information and not being afraid to challenge yourself to be wrong, do you purpose, like, do you willfully seek out opposing viewpoints to have those conversations? Um, uh, are, are you just more self-taught? You're going to research and, and find the, the blogs and the, and the research papers to get that information. Like that, that's a good question. I would, I would say I'm more, I'm more the latter. Um, I don't, I can't say I actively search out people that think differently, which actually, now that you said that, uh, that's actually maybe a, uh, a good tool to use. I'm glad you said that. That's, that may be something I add to my repertoire, you know? Um, I, I'd say start at the, the shallow end of the pool. Like, don't right. just jump in. <laughs> yeah, right. Get some water wings, man, because yeah. <laughs> it'd be brutal. Oh, no, I know. Trust. I mean, I mean, see, I don't seek it out, but I have it come to me. I mean, come on. Sure. I mean, I, I know you're active on social media and not. Exactly. You know, and I know you, I mean, you know, some of the, some of the people who, you know, like to come and debate me on, you know, some of the stuff I say is just, you know, I see, yeah, man, there's retardedness all around us, you know what I'm saying? So it's it's nothing that I have to actively seek out. It's almost like they come out the woodworks, you know, um, but maybe I should seek it out, but seek it out in a discussion form of matter instead of a debating or arguing type of matter. You know, wow, you know, this, this interview is actually, um, you know, molding some viewpoints of mine a little bit stronger, man. I'm, I'm glad I'm having this. Yeah. Think so an interview. Think of it as a conversation, <laughs> a conversation, right? right? <laughs> My dude. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I don't like like I haven't I can't say I've actively tried to search it out in a way of of 
okay, I, okay, I don't believe anything this person is saying, but let me go try to learn from them. You know, I've never done something like that. Um, I may have, you know, seek people out where it's like, I don't understand what they're saying, but, you know, I'm interested in it, but I've, n- I've never sought somebody out that I just totally didn't agree with and which, which I'm, which possibly I should. Again, I mean, I would, I'd be careful who, who you start. I would, I do it with friends. Like I, I have a, mil- right. I have a military background. I, I grew up in conservative Indiana in the Midwest. So like there's people still in my life that I can go and I can ask those questions. I can, I can kind of see, I, I have a pool of people in which I can, I can do that. Um, one of the issues with, you know, being able to cultivate our social media so well nowadays is that you've seen it a lot since the election and since the inauguration is people just culling the numbers of dissenting voices on their, uh, Facebook feeds. Yeah. So for those individuals who are listening, who do that, I understand Sometimes you just can't have that kind of, like, if it's toxic to you, you can't have it around you. I get it. But you're almost doing yourself a disservice yeah. by doing that. And I yeah. personally, maybe I'm just paranoid, but I kind of want to keep an eye on those guys. Like, no, 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 I feel you. I want to know what they're thinking, what they're posting, so I can I f- stay on top of it. Oh, I feel you. It's, it's like I said, you know, you got to understand their language in, in order to, if you want to change their perspective, you got to understand their language, you know, so I'm with you. I'm totally with you. And, and, you know, I don't ever cut none of them off, you know, like it's only been, I would say in, in regards to that, I would say there's only really been one Trump supporter, I would say that I just couldn't take no more. And that's only because, you know, he got ignorant and just, he was purposely, I mean, he was calling me a nigger and, and just trying to get underneath so my skin. So being abusive. And- exactly, exactly. And it's funny because I can, it didn't hurt me none. You know, I, I laughed. I was like, man, because when they do it, it's like I know what they're trying to do and it just becomes funny to me. I'm like, oh, they're trying to get me upset. They're so fucking stupid. Right. You know. I'm, I'm glad you can have that response. Oh, yeah. Because all I mean, what they're, they're doing is they're showing their powerlessness. When exactly. they use those tactics, they have exactly. nothing else to rely on except it's, to elicit a, a negative emotional response. Exactly. Exactly. And also they're sitting behind a computer when they do it. You know, no, yeah. I will say this. There hasn't been I've, I've gotten racist fan mail before. I call it fan mail because they inspire <laughs> me. But I've gotten racist fan mail and hate mail and all like that. And I've I've told all of them, you know, I was like, look. This is my next show. And where do you live? Oh, you in Colorado? Okay, I'll be here so and so so. Come to my show. And I've I have not had one person yet say anything like that to my face that has, you know, been bold enough to try and come at me over, you know, on the social media or anything like that. So I know most of the time that they are doing just that, just trying to make you upset. And when I know that, when I know that that's their game plan, then it, it doesn't do anything for me. You know, I'm like, it's like you said, it's like <laughs> they just, you know, they're even more retarded to me. Well, the but, thing um, is I, I like, I had plenty of experiences with bullies, like all, like all throughout elementary and middle school. Like I learned how to deal with bullies 25 years ago. Right. So 
that's how I that's how I see it now. I see that those are bully tactics. It's the same mindset. These guys are still just the majority of them are just emotionally stunted or in some sort right. of arrested development where they've never gotten past who they were then, and they right. believe that's how. And maybe it worked for them. Maybe they get it worked so well for them growing up that they feel like that's the only way to get their way now. Right. I don't know. I, I right. the tr- the mind of a troll is a dark place, <laughs> and I'm not sure if I'm ready to tackle it. Tackle it. Oh my god! I know, man. I know. I know. But see, that's the funny. Like you know, I had one. Like I say, I don't get rid of them. I do not. There's only been one that I got rid of because it, it was just. Yeah, like I said, he didn't bother me, but it was just becoming a nuisance to I would say people who follow my posts. It was just, it it was just becoming when his comments are more than my own. I'm like, come on, you know. So, right. but but you know, I've had other, you know, heavy Trump supporters come at me, and you know, I I'm really not the one to. Uh, uh, you know, people, people, you know, uh, people take, first of all, there's no such thing as enlightenment. People take this whole enlightenment thing, like, they're, they, they, they're so confused about it. There's only information. Like, and, and there's no such thing as enlightenment, there's only information. And you respond to that information however you want. But people take, you know, my journey through understanding this information, like I'm supposed to like, you know, Buddha or Gandhi and be like, oh, and, and that's just not me. You know, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. If you get in my face, I will stand up to to you, you know. So, you know, people, you know, come at me on social media, you know, I'll go right at them, you know. But so I've had a few Trump supporters learn that lesson. <laughs> and then, like, they don't really comment like they used to, you know. I had, to, I had this one dude who was, who was trolling me. And I was like, you know what? All right, cool. I'm going to get him. So I just went and like went on his Facebook page, and I'm not even gonna call him out. I'm I'm just gonna say what I did, but uh, I took I copied some pictures of it, put Photoshop, and I said yada yada is trolling Mark Marcel, and that, and it's funny because a week before that he said if you want to get rid of me, you're gonna have to delete me. You know he was like because I'm coming, I'm I'm gonna be on here all the time, and then a week later, so I thought of that little little thing, took his pictures and, you know, made memes out of them. And he said, okay, I'll leave you alone. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Got him. <laughs> so, you know, but it's, it, it's all fun to me. You know, I try to look at it as all fun until it becomes not fun. And that's, well, if, if you can keep that perspective on it, good on you. Yeah. I mean, that's not that's not a bad way to approach it. Um, I know a lot of people who've gotten so discouraged and um, like full of despair about what yeah. they've seen on social media that they like they've taken a hiatus. Some of them have completely <laughs> no, completely clocked out. I know, man. I know, man. And that's not like, helping anybody. It's not, not helping, helping anybody. It's not helping themselves. Anybody. Including themselves, and truthfully, they're just letting the other person win. If if you know they're letting they're letting that defeat them, you know, like it's it's it's. Well, I will it's, say I will say if to those listening, if you do need to step away for self care reasons, I completely understand that. Right. Nobody 
boxes a full nine rounds without taking breaks in between rounds. You've got to step away, get your rest, get your voice back, and take care of yourself. That's exactly. You need to. And that's if yeah. you're that's if you're some anybody. Right. Whether you're protesting on the streets or working on um, digitally. Right. Uh, however, however you're doing your work, that's fine. Take care of yourself, but don't leave us hanging either. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Like, I mean, there's no point in it. And, and, and especially with, I mean, you take Facebook, for, for, for instance. I mean, people, like I said, people go to a stream, so they may get in an argument with somebody or then they got to get off Facebook. I'm like, dude, if, if you really don't like what they're saying, you can easily take them out your news feed. You don't have to ever see any post of them ever again. Yep. You can you can do certain things to where you don't have to be involved with that person. But yeah, and you if know, you're really passive aggressive, like you can just hide them. Right. You'll never know. You just right. They think that they're still you're still seeing all their stupid exactly, shit. Exactly. 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 Right. So the, you know, and then that that'll that'll even drive them even more nuts because you don't comment back out. to them. Yeah, they don't, they exactly. don't comment back. <laughs> Right. But God damn it, I'm seeing all this shit. He doesn't even care. <laughs> so, so you mentioned that you, you get hate mail and, you know, hate fan mail. I don't, I don't necessarily want to focus on the negative. Um, right. But you're a touring poet. You, you got a new album coming out. Then that's what's talk to me about that project, your new album. Man. Well, truthfully, that album, man, that album is, is, you know, I've, I've released 17 albums during my career. That's incredible. And, uh, 17, uh, 17 albums over a span of how long? And well, that's what I'm about to say. And I have not released an album in the last four years. And so I've done, I produce, let me see. And I haven't toured in the last two years, but I'm about to start touring again. Um, appreciate that. And um, so I, I would say I've released 17 albums in a span over... I would say maybe 11 years or something, 11 to 12 years, wow. I would say. So um, I took, uh, I, I didn't, like I said, I haven't released an album in the last four years and I haven't toured in the last two years. Last two years I've been working on my cartoon, but we'll talk about that. Um, so, but this album I recorded has actually been done for, well, I would say the bulk of it. I would say about 90% of the album has was done and completed in the last, like, two and a half years. I've just been sitting on it because I didn't really want to release it and not perform it. But it's wild because, um, Richard, man, I'm telling you, this is the best work that I've ever done as far as, like, poetry and my album was. That's still um, feel like that, man. Yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, it's funny. I thought I was, I didn't really think I could, I don't want to say I didn't think I could top anything, but it's wild to feel that, I mean, this album shits. It diarrhea shits on all my other albums, and <laughs> and 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 I mean, conceited, you know, and to be conceited about it, you know, I really think I had some pretty good albums, you know, back in the day, you know. So I really like am 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 <sighs> egotistically, I'm impressed with this album. I try not to pump up my shit like Dude, that, it's okay but you know, proud of your stuff. It's okay. <laughs> you know, no, no doubt, no doubt, but you know, I don't want to sound. You know, we'll brag real quick. Yeah, I'll yeah. <laughs> I'll, right. give, I'll give you a minute. 
<laughs> but basically, man, I just feel really, I feel like this is my best work and it needs to be out. I need to perform these pieces. And it's wild because uh, it's more prevalent than ever now, especially with our current day. I mean, I didn't think we would, <laughs> I didn't think we would go from Obama to this. Like, this shit is mind-blowing. A lot of so, us didn't, man. <laughs> yeah, for real. I think we all took it, took it for granted that it'd just be a shoo-in, you know, and, and it obviously wasn't. So I feel like the poems now are more relevant than ever. Like what when are that some of the themes? Well, first, what's the name of the album? The album is going is called The God I Used to Be. That's a joke. When is it going to drop? Dude, I... I do not have a release date for it, but I know I'm dropping it this year. I have to. I'm dropping it this year because actually how it came about, I was in L.A. about three three years ago, three and a half years ago, something like that. I was in L.A. And um, my friend Rico, <clears throat> I was staying at his house, and he was going over some of my work, and he had heard some of my poetry. And he was like, dude, I want to produce your next album. And I was like, man, you know, I said I was done doing albums. So I'm just, and I really was. I was done. I had said that. Like, 17 was my limit. 17 is my favorite number. So I just had this number in my head that I was going to get to and stop. And lo and behold, you speak shit into existence. It happens. And I just, I stopped. And he, he was like, man, I really want to produce your album. And I was like, man, I'm done. I'm done. He was like, come on, man, you got to. And I was like, all right, man, well, if you want to do it, then, then, then we'll see what's up. And, um, and on top of that, he had played me a track, one of his tracks. And it's actually the title track to the album. I use that beat for, for the cut that I'm using, um, The God I Used To Be. He did that beat. And I felt it like it's one of my all-time favorite beats. It just got my juice juices going. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, all right. All right, cool. That's what's up. I'm, I can do this album. That's what's up. But, you know, it's funny. During the process, I thought he was going to produce all the music. And he was planning to. You know, he was going to do that. But... When I get into something, when I get motivated, I work really fast. So he only really produced like four tracks off the album. And it's been the first time that I worked with another producer, I would say, to be on an album that I released like that. Um, well, I worked with my cousin about like uh, six years prior to that, but that was for a Greatest Hits album. But it was the first time I actually had new cuts on my album with another producer since my second album. So all through that, I was producing all my own tracks. But he produced four tracks on the album, and then I couldn't wait. I just started like speeding up the process. So then I just basically made all the rest of the music. But even the music I made shits on all the other stuff that I've done. It's 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 the best album that that uh, that I've had, and and I need to put it out. So he motivated me to do another album. I would say because I was done, um, and he hooked me up with. Uh, some studio equipment, other software, and, um, and I just I became a better composer, uh, producer through that time. Um, so uh, I just got to release it, man. I got to release it, and I got to tour with it. I'm actually motivated to do it because I feel like right now I'm I'm in this space to do that because you know the past like three years I've been working on my philosophical parody gurus, and I just kind of right. like. You're, uh, and that's on YouTube, correct? Right, yeah. The Guru's Channel. They can find it on the Guru's Channel. 
And it's just a philosophical parody about the world's greatest philosophers, thinkers, and innovators. Like it has Buddha, Jesus, Gandhi, Malcolm X, uh, Alan Watts, Terrence McKenna, Nikola Tesla, all in there. And, <laughs> and it's like, a, and they're like, it's a, like, for instance, Gandhi, he's filthy rich. And and Buddha, he has anger issues. Of course. You know, so, oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's like so it's like a play on you know how they used to be. You know, it's like the total opposite a little so bit. So subverting yeah. the expectations of the right, right, right. Like Tesla right. works really well with other people. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Right. So, you know, we're just trying to um, trying to been trying to get that out there, um, but. I'm at a place now where I can start back up touring again, I should say, or performing again, you know, I, and I can do, I can do both. So what does that process looking look like for you? How do you approach uh, setting up tour dates? Do you work with somebody? Are you a self booking agent? Do you work as your own booking agent? <laughs> Unfortunately, man, I have worked as my own booking agent for my whole, whole career. And I, I reluctantly, I would say, I, I would like somebody else to be there to do it, but they just, they half-ass the job, you know? Like, I work with, I give everybody a chance. In fact, I don't think I really fire people. They just let themselves go. And I'll be like, all right, and I, don't, I don't really care about it because I don't really, I don't, I don't have more faith in somebody else than I do myself when it comes to getting stuff, certain things done. So if, if I didn't put, that type of faith in somebody, you know, when they relieve themselves of it, it's not like I'm losing anything. I'm like, all right, whatever, you know, um, maybe I'm being pessimistic about the situation. Who knows? They could be right, you know, um, but it's helped my sanity. It's helped me from not going crazy and cussing them out, you know, yeah, so, well, because if, it, if things go wrong, then it's on you and exactly. you don't have to feel like if you had just taken on from the beginning, this wouldn't have happened, but there is a lot of stress involved doing that, you know, I'm there sure. There is a lot of stress involved. There is, there is. And like I say, you know, I'm open to somebody coming in and swooping up all that, uh, all, all the requirements to do that, you I know. I wasn't offering. I, I no. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. I would book you for the, the three shows near my house, and then I would, I would quit. <laughs> You I understand. I could probably only guarantee two. Um, <laughs> well, well, I, well, I'll probably be talking to you to book those three or two. So, <laughs> so, so like, so. so when approaching a tour, what's your process? Because I, I don't have much touring experience myself. I've been doing it a long time, but I've always had either logistical restraints or obligations or, you know, a full-time job that keeps me from being able to spend any kind of extended time on the road. So I'm always, right. I'm always really fascinated in hearing how um, poets who have stepped into the touring circuit approach that and what that right. looks like for them. Because I got a really good friend of mine on tour right now up going up the East Coast, and it seems like for him maybe a third of it he has locked in and the other two thirds he's praying to, you know, someone right, that, right. that he's Somebody. got a show lined up. Right, um, right, right. So like, what is, what's it like for you? Man, you know, it, um, <clears throat> it's been all over the place. I would say, um, I would say ideally I would like to have all my stuff set up. I would like to have 90% of my shows set up, like just, 
months in advance. I mean, the first time I really hit the road um, by myself, I got in my car and I just drove around the country and I was on the road for four months and I set up all my shows and I would set it up to where I wouldn't have to zigzag, you know, I set it up to where I could just go in a chronological order, you know, just from beginning to end, um, stop here, stop there, stop there. Um, and, and I will understand that some shows only happen, you know, during a certain time of week or even the month. So I would look at all this, I would, I would get all the information and I'd take a step back and look at it from afar and see what would be the most important dates that I really want to get to and try to set it up as if I was going on a train and just have train stops. But, um, <clears throat> like some cities you might want to be in for a week, you know, cause they have, well, I, uh, I don't know if it's like that anymore, you know, because but I know when I was really going hard at it about like uh, 10 years ago, they had I mean, there was so many spots in each city. Um, but um, so certain cities, you know, I would like to be in for a week or maybe or just two days. Um, I would say so when I was driving, that's how I would do it. You know, I was getting my car, I would uh, just set everything up. Um, and sometimes I would get new shows in the area, but I, I wouldn't really break my course if I had to be somewhere else, you know, cause I hate, one thing I hated more than others, more than anything was, uh, not making a show that I said I was going to be at. Like, I feel so ashamed and bad, uh, that there were some shows that I didn't make just because of my schedule or whatever happened, you know, I hate letting people down. Right. Um, so that was that when I was driving, um, when I was sort of flying, cause I had a flight hookup, just trying to be strategic. I tried not to be in the, I tried not to stay around the city for too long because what I noticed is that some people who may not, be like, oh, he's going to be at, uh, he's going, oh, he's going to be at Jazzy Bells on Monday, but you know, he's going to be at Timothy Floyd's on Wednesday. Oh, uh, let's go. Wednesday. Exactly. So I, something I, comes up on Wednesday and they don't come and, and they don't come. Right. So I try to be strategic and just try to go, you know, and just go in and out, you know, but that's when I had a flight hookup, you know, everybody isn't that, uh, that lucky and 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 yeah no I'm I'm kind of interested in that how how do you get a flight hookup? Yeah, that just comes from knowing flight attendants. Okay, all right. Yeah. So, oh, hookup. Okay. Yeah, hookup. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, flight I, hookup. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so if you're um, listening, guys, uh, flight attendants. Yeah, flight attendants, get in good with them. <laughs> but um, but when that you know when that's not around, then you kind of gotta. You got to be the grinder, man. You got to get in your car and you got to go and you got to really stay around in the city and you got to, it's a tough hustle, man, but you got to have that type of energy to, to, to be there, go out. I know there were, you know, there's certain things that I noticed, for instance, uh, like I never wanted to go on a, even like I never wanted to go into a spot 
just before I'm going to perform and perform, sell my CDs and then leave. That looks so bad. Like the people in the audience hate that shit, you know? So you almost got to be there for a little bit, hang around before, do your set, sell some CDs and then hang around after your set. Right. Because you you want to give them the opportunity to talk to you. I mean, that's almost, that's a good portion of the reason why I and a lot of the poets I know do it. Right. 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 For those connections, you know, that you make from your art. Right. 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 No, is that well, that's the only thing that gets you to the next is those connections, you know, and and in talking to people that may get you to somewhere else that you didn't know about, you know. So but I understand that that to the torn poet, when you when you're constantly doing that, like I understand like that it can it can be tiresome, man. It can it can it can it can really drain you of, you know, some energy. So. Yeah. So I can understand how them, you know, cause there's not to pick on anybody or call anybody out, but there are some poets, you know, I've heard horror stories, you know, they're coming to a city, you know, I just hear how they don't even, you know, communicate with the people, whatever. They don't even mingle. They just do their set and they're out, you know, and you know, that, that just gives bad impressions and stuff like that. So really it, it's, it's a lot of stuff to it to really remain relevant, I would say. Um, and it's, it's and, 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 and what's funny is that sometimes it's not them. Sometimes it doesn't even have to do with how good of an artist you are. I mean, you, I mean, for you to, for you to tour, for you to be doing that, I mean, you have to be, a, you have to be more than okay. And, and so, hopefully. well, hopefully, well, you'll find out soon that you're not, if it don't go right, you know, but, um, <laughs> So, so, um, but still it it takes some type of conceit, some type of confidence level for you to even think that you can do that. Right. So. Well, without but, like knowing specifics or, or like the individuals involved, I've, I've seen that my, from my own experiences, I've seen poets who are, are like that. They come in, they do the show, they're gone. I mean, without making excuses, I, I have to imagine, again, from my own experiences, I think maybe part of the time that's some poets are weird cats, man. And like, not all of us are extroverted, you know, gregarious individuals. Some, some of us are painfully, painfully introverted. So I, yeah, I know, and, which is weird and, and because they're, they're performers. Brilliant performers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So true. I think. I think sometimes that diva-esque persona, what we perceive as, you know, diva behaviors could very well just be, again, kind of self-care or, you know, them protecting themselves. Right. I can't, you know, speak generally for everybody who does stuff like right. that. Oh, no. There are plenty of poets who are just assholes, too. Right, right, but, right. Oh, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, you can't, you can't judge you know, the whole building by one block, you know what I'm saying? I mean, by one, by one stone. So, you know, I totally get it. You know, you're right. Um, but you know, you you just got to constantly grind, man. If you, if you really want this to be. So for you, what's like self care when you're on the road, do you just try to keep your dates shorter? Give you more space? Actually, actually, when I was on the road, you know, I tried to, I was trying to perform six days out of seven days. I didn't like having off days. Um, yeah, I, I was going at it hard. But, you know, the older you get, the wiser you get, you realize 
you know, maybe I shouldn't be performing six out of seven days a week. You know, it, it's a tear on your body. Um, and, and I would say mentally it's, it's quite draining. So I would say now I would try to set up if, you know, if I get on the road, if I was driving, if I if I was on the road driving like that, I would try to have something every other day to where I'm performing like maybe three or four days out the week. I wouldn't do six out of seven. Um, and you know there were not to man, not to shit on anybody's spot, you know, but some spots may not be worth you performing there if you've already performed somewhere else. For instance, you know, if, if there's a Monday night spot in, in, in Phoenix that, that gets 200 people or whatever, and then there's a, a Tuesday night spot that gets 10 people, you know, right. Right. I mean, it may not be worth for you to, uh, do the coffee shop, you know, where it gets 10 people. Um, well, that is some, that's something you have to consider. When yeah. You, that's, when, you, when you've entered into that part of the craft, you're, you've now entered into the professional side of things. You are, exactly. as a poet, you have turned yourself into not only the commodity, uh, the commodity, but the business that sells that commodity. So right. you do have to take those things into consideration. I don't think that's necessarily shitty. It can be disappointing for the people who are regulars at that coffee shop. Right. Yeah, no, no but, doubt. I mean, it, I mean, but, you know, I kind of, I'm hesitant. I'm very careful and tender and uh, gentle in, in my words with it because, you know, that's where everybody, you know, I have respect for it. You know, like I, I still believe, like, for instance, before I go back out on the road, I'm, I, I'm not going to hit up a 200 attendee show i'm going to go to the small coffee shops where there's only five or ten people so i can get the dust off you know so i can have my fumbles and make a fool of myself before you know i'm, I'm ready to enter the game again you know and That's have smart. have larger crowds so you know um but still you know being on the road you just got to be strategic if you know you want to remain a healthy mentality about it I would say because it can be quite draining and also on the road you know one thing that uh I did do but I may not have done to the extent that I could have you know I, I had fun on the road but I was I didn't have as much fun as I could have because like I say you know I was performing six out of seven days a week it was always a performance I should have you know took two of those days off out of the schedule, maybe perform four, and those other two, I could have just been hanging around the city or or enjoy, seeing other things in the, the city. The country you're in. Exactly, exactly. Right. And and I and I can honestly say I did not do that to the fullest extent that I could have. You know, I've performed in 46 out of 50 states. That's and impressive. I appreciate you. What what, but, what states haven't you made it to? Um, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, and, and, and hold on, Alaska, everywhere else I've performed in. Um, so the flyover but, states. You say what? The flyover states. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, the flyover. For those of you in Montana, 
and the Dakotas. No, no, no. I want to perform there. No, I want to perform there. Like, I just, I wasn't able to get there. But, I mean, um, man, I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. But, uh, no, no, it's all good. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 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 like, oh, I can honestly say out of those 46 states, there are some of those states that I only saw the inside of a poetry venue, and that's it. You know, I mean, other than, you know, getting there, you know, but I didn't see any 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 parts of the city or the state other, other than just driving straight to the venue and leaving. And so that's what's, you know, that's, that's a negative. You know, I wish I would have spent more time in, in some of the states and seen certain things. But that's behavior you could correct now with your next tour exactly. touring in the future. Exactly. It's not too late, especially being that I'm on this health tip now, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> At least you'll be sober, like, yeah, yeah, at, right. you know, the statue in the park by the fountain. Yeah. Um, you won't look at it as long as if you were, you know, stoned. Yeah, yeah, right. You'll remember seeing it. Right. Um, so, like, shoot. Um, damn it. There's always one time in every conversation that I have that I just space like that. I'm just like, okay, that's a part Don't of worry about it, brother. Don't worry um, about it, brother. I do it all the time. In fact, that's one of my biggest fears. My biggest fear is to be on Oprah and she asked me a question and, and I start answering it. And halfway through the middle, I'm like, what was the question again? I'm sure that's happened more than once. Yeah, right. yeah. And the production team's just like, okay, just ask the question again. We'll just okay, edit it. Yeah, right. <laughs> the associate producer by the by the the mixer is just like this fucking guy. Yeah, um, right. So like are you what's your uh experiences with uh slam poetry? Um is that something you you've spent time doing? Is it something that you actively do or you you done with it? Um I'm well, I'm done with it as far as competing in it. Um I did I was I participated in working with the PSI some of the events at uh, nationals that they had in Boston. That was my last time interacting with it, but I wasn't competing. I just wanted to see my friends. Slam poetry, man, I encourage, man, any any poet that's just starting out, I encourage them to, <clears throat> I encourage them to do that because slam poetry is where I got all my contacts and made all my friends. Mm -hmm. uh, when I went to nationals, uh, I, I did nationals in St. Louis and Albuquerque. Um, and I did it solely. I didn't care about winning or nothing. I did it solely just to make my contacts. That is the only reason I went. And I encourage any anybody who wants to get out there and wants to tour and wants to go further and just be out there, I encourage them all to at least try to participate in the slam. Because um, that's what opened my eyes about it. I had started touring. I was touring and I was in Chicago. And they had, this was the slam that they, they had slam. They had the PSI nationals in Chicago. And so I just went to the event. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, fuck, look at all these poets here from all across the country, everywhere. And I was like, man, this poet's here from Idaho and Washington and, mm -hmm. and Oregon. I haven't been there. Wow. I bet if I participated in this, it'd be so much easier for me just to have a conversation with them and tell them, yeah, I'm torn by what's your information? Oh, yeah, cool. Can I get there? Sure. Mm 
<laughs> like, so then the next year, that was my goal. I was, I want to slam on a team. And I, I slammed, made the Pensacola team, and we went up to St. Louis Nationals. And um, this is when um, Soul Thomas Evans was ahead of that. He was the, uh, what they call him, whatever. Not to, He was a slam master of the team or whatever. Okay. Um, and we went to we went to nationals and dude i got all my contacts i got i only really had to do it once i got everything i and this was before the days of how the internet is right now so you know i was walking around for black book and i took everybody everybody who i didn't know i was like what's your name okay where you from okay cool cool what's, what's your contact information cool cool all right and i contacted all of them afterwards and set up my tour dates and from there I never had to do it again the only reason why I did it again was because when Pensacola did slam in St. Louis I was there a week before nationals doing some poetry events and I slammed and it just so happens that I made it to the final in the St. Louis slam and it just so happens that the next time that I was in St. Louis, they had finals for the St. Louis Team Slam, and I'm and I was like, all right, whatever, you know. I thought they, in fact, uh, they called me up. They're like, Mark, you participate in the finals? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're in finals. I'm like, man, you, you, I was like, you're, you're you're trying to do a fast one. I couldn't <laughs> have made finals. No, you. He's like, no, you're in finals. I'm like, what? It's like anybody, they were like anybody who won a slam or whatever, like so and so, they're in the final. I was like, wow, cool. So I was in, I was just in St. Louis at the time, again, like a year later, and I slammed, made the team, and then I went to Albuquerque. But I had no intentions of slamming again, you know. Like my my only intentions was to to help me, you know, as you know, for my touring and and so I could get to some of these other cities. But I would say now with social media. It's, it's, man, like if I had this, man, like when I started, it'd be, whew. but with social media, it's not as important as it, as it used to be, but I would say it's still important I still because I still think it's pretty important. Well, we, we don't know. That's what I was going to say. I still think it's, it's important because it's, it's different in meeting somebody over the internet than meeting them in person. Absolutely. You know, when you, when you meet them in person, and then you contact them again, they are much more likely to help you than if you just send them some old random email and they've never heard of you before. You Here's know, my electronic press packet. Exactly, exactly. So I think Slam is a great tool for anybody who wants to further themselves as being a spoken word artist. But I don't think they should use it as like, that's what they want to do as a career, you know, unless that is what they want to do as a career, then, sure. Hey, go ahead and do it, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I just, I just used it as a tool and it was a very valuable tool to me, which I appreciate. I'm very, I, I, I look at it very similarly. Similar. Oh my God. I look at it the same as you. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm with you, brother. Sometimes when words get me too. go ahead. It's just like, Nope, no, I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> I look at it, I look at the same. Um, I was at the Oakland uh, National Poetry Slam in 2015 with the Orlando team. Okay. And um, it's, it was a great, great opportunity for me to uh, make friends and expand my network. Um, I just can't take Slam too seriously. Oh, I, no. I love doing it, 
but the moment it's kind of like uh, kind of like my golf game. The, the it, when I'm playing a round of golf with my dad, and the moment I start caring, like actually caring about it, my game right. goes to shit. Right, right, right. With right. Slam, the moment I start taking it too seriously, the scores break my heart and demoralize me. <laughs> if I allow myself a couple drinks and I go, well, I'm just here to have fun, I right. usually do pretty well. Uh, so for me, there, that was really tricky. I don't want to slam all the time. Like right. I've gotten to that point. I believe that slam, like you, I think if you're if you're talented and if you're clever and you're not a douchebag, slam is a really great springboard. Right for your career exactly that being said if you are a douchebag you're now exposing yourself exactly to, you're showing your ass to the greater community exactly. and it can have the opposite effect on you yeah so, yeah and in fact it's funny when you said that when you said you know you're not a shit bag i was i was about to interrupt you and and and, and say exactly what you're going to say but you said it so exactly it can you can't yeah, you cannot be a shitbag for real. Right. It will expose you. It will it will expose you for real. Well, and what I've seen in in my greater Flo- uh, Florida poetry community and the slams community, we protect ourselves. Right. The community, uh, it's not so much homogeny, even though there's any in any culture there's going to be elements of homogeny, homogeny, but. More often than not, the community is just going to protect itself from those toxic personalities. Right. And, you know, usually... And they all talk, and they all email each other, yeah. <laughs> and, they, and you will be exposed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just don't show your ass. Yeah. You know? Re- respect it as the fact that it is a skill-based game, but it's also a luck-based game because of judges. Yeah. Look at it as a means of getting positive, constructive feedback, hopefully from your community and the people you slam with, and use it to fucking make friends. Yeah, exactly. And if you take it too seriously, you're you're missing the whole yeah, the point of the whole it. point of it. Yeah, um, I totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. Well, good man. How you feeling? You feeling good? Me, man. I'm 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 feeling good, man. I'm 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 feeling good. I can't complain, you know. I'm breathing good, you know. Well, I'm breathing's in... gotten better. Yeah, dude, you <laughs> not more than me, but I appreciate you. <laughs> right. <laughs> going back to that real quick, have you have you thought about edibles? I have. Oh man, I have, and I actually made some edibles, and I made them bad boys way too strong. <laughs> that I your got first time, your first time fucking with it. You either are way too weak. Or that they're super strong. I've never known anybody who's nailed it on their first go. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what's funny, and this is what's even funnier, is that, you know, I saw a video on how to make it. So I, I took it, I, you know, put all the 14 grams in it, they say it all like that, and I make it, boom, and I cut it and I ate it. And after about, like, it hit me, I would say, an hour and a half later, and it hit me hard. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking i was like oh my god oh my god my chest i can't breathe i can't breathe oh, no. oh my god what's going on yeah i started panicking and, and then panic. yeah and then i went back to the video that i looked right oh this is so funny like i gotta give it to him like i was, I was like hey okay you did what you wanted to and i looked at the video 
And then I looked at the comments on the video and all the comments, well, not all of them, but a lot of them were like, man, you can't do that. You got to let them know how much they're putting in there. That's oh, not no. right. It's way, it was like, man, you're trying to kill them. You know, Holy like shit, all the, really? all the comp. Yes. And then oh, it was one. And then there was one comment that was like, oh my God, man, I thought I was having a heart attack. Blah, 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 blah. Like I went was that back. Your comment? No, no, it, no, it wasn't. <laughs> But I commented to him. I was like, man, I'm so glad I read this comment right now <laughs> because <laughs> I know I need to calm down. You're bringing me and back. Don't... You're bringing me back. Thank you. You're bringing me back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're bringing me back to calm down. And then I went and then I, I watched the video again and I looked in the guy's eyes and it's really when it clicked. I was like, yo, he is purposely trying to prank you. He's trying to get you so fucked up out your mind for people who didn't, didn't know what they were doing. And I, and I, I noticed this when I looked at it again, I was like, Oh, he That's was rotten. Yeah. He was <laughs> trying to do that, you know, cause he had like this little grin on his face. The so he was like, <laughs> enjoy. Yeah. Just enjoying his own sick joke. Yeah. The so, viewer watching it the first time is like, oh, he's he's grinning. Was, yeah, yeah, exactly. It must right? work. It must be a good batch. Yeah, exactly. He seems happy. Yeah. But when you look at it differently, then you're like, oh, no, he's trying to pull one over on you. But uh, but no, it, it was good. They came out. I just basically had to have smaller portions of them. Um, so, no, I've, I've been doing the edibles. Um, and... I would say I haven't smoked. Well, that's a lie. I did smoke, and in the, in the, I did smoke some weed. Um, but uh, um, it ain't what it was. You know, it is not what it was. And, and also, like I was saying, you know, I used to smoke an ounce of marijuana a month. Like, which, is, which is a lot. Like, which is a lot. I can stretch is, a half for a month. I try right. to. I, that's what I try to keep it at. Just really for the budget, more than right. anything, and the self discipline of it. Right. That's but, like an O is a lot. Yeah, I mean, really, are you really getting high? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I'm wasting it, you know? And and, it's, and then when I thought about that, and when I thought about I'm putting all that shit into my lungs for, like, 17 years, are you kidding me? Like, man, I needed a fucking break, you sure. know? Like, so I'm feeling good now. I'm feeling better. You know, nothing to complain about, you know? So I'm excited to get this album out. Our torn again, and well, please keep me posted when you uh, are ready to drop that album and where we can pick it up. Ah, uh, no doubt, no doubt, and I'll be in touch with you, man, because you're going to be my booking agent for those two to three spots in Florida. So, <laughs> I mean, I'll send you, I'll send you the paperwork. I mean, it's a long contract; you don't have to read all of it. <laughs> okay, cool. But dude, thank you so much for taking the time. Love you, brother. Thanks. Hey, I love you too, Richard. I appreciate you for having me, man. And that was my conversation with Mark Marcel. I had a blast. I hope you all enjoyed listening to it. Make sure to check out Mark's website, markmarcel.com. That's Mark with a C because he's fancy. Uh, check out his website and his Facebook, Mark Marcel. Uh, he will keep you posted about his upcoming tour and the drop of his newest album, number 17. Please remember to Hit me up on Facebook or on the website. Let me know what you're thinking. But uh, please take a moment to rank me on SoundCloud and on iTunes to help other people find the podcast as well. 
uh, shoot me a message. Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear from you. I'm going to go now and get a good night's sleep. And we'll see how I'm feeling tomorrow. But I'm going to leave you guys with Mark Marcel doing his poem, The God I Used to Be. And I'm Richard J. signing off. Find your part. Do your part. I'm sorry? What was that again? I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god. I'm not the god. I don't think. It's consciousness. If you have a golf ball-sized consciousness, when you read a book, you'll have a golf ball-sized understanding. You're not a god. You can take my word for it. This is 12 years of Catholic school talking. How do you know I'm not a god? Because it's not possible. I have been stabbed, shot, poisoned, frozen, hung, electrocuted, and burned. Oh, really? And every morning I wake up without a scratch on me, not a dent in the fender. Why are you telling me this? I used to be something extraordinary. Something that could move planets in a day and yield energy into the sun. Something that could bend space and time and fold out of dimensions into one. And I used to be something so magnificent to even think of myself would be less than. I could inspire nations, civilizations. I used to enter into the homes of cavemen and teach them how to say my name. Their drawings on the walls are proof that I was there. I am not a terrorist, nor American. Yet, I am what they both stand for. Unfortunately, they're wrong. I am not meant to be idolized. I am meant to be shared. I am meant to be mocked and made fun of because just the thought of me is so fucking outrageous in the first place. I am creation. I am what you never thought to be possible, but I am. Yet, I am being human because it's the least I could be. I am savoring the taste of the moment by moving in slow motion. So I am meant to have a second chance at life because I wasted away the first one hanging out at the beach smoking weed and staring into the ocean. I used to be extraordinary. I used to make universes with sacred geometry and hide the coding in the last places people would open their third eye to think. I am what happens when you experience with hallucinogenics. Yes, I am a figment of your imagination. However, I am the only thing that's real. I am a moving contradiction, something that shouldn't be but is. Humans call this life, while I have yet to understand what it is. I used to be extraordinary. I used to throw moons into planets just to watch the after effects. Please, I will spark out the sun if it ever tries to burn me. I get bored with sleep because it's too easy. Anyone can do that. The only reason I'm here is to cheat death. So you will not find me in the box looking for answers because I left all the questions on the outside. I am what I used to be, just different. A little bit human, just enough so that the experience feels real to me. I am from the future, here only to tell you that my past is meaningless. I am not supposed to make sense. That is for the ordinary. They have been looking in all the wrong places. I am the light at the end of the tunnel. This is where I am from. I used to be something so amazing that only the thought of what I couldn't be was enough to grab my attention. So I am not to be outdone. And that is just the God I used to be. But you should hear all about the God. Well, maybe the real God uses tricks. You know, maybe he's not omnipotent. He's just been around so long, he knows everything. In about five seconds, a waiter's gonna drop a tray of dishes. Five, four, That's three, nuts. two, one. Okay? Okay, that's enough.